GameZillaMedia.com. It's time for the last action podcast. Pop quiz, hot shot. Hey, motherfucker. I feel the need. The need for speed. Kill it. I have come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass. And I'm all out of bubblegum. Come with me if you want to live. Welcome to this week's Last Action Podcast. Uh, it's I, the Sphinx, and with me we've got LPJ. Hey, what's up? I, I, Yes, that's me, LPJ. I was going to say something, but then I changed my mind. <laughs> He's I was going to call myself the Agent Smith of, of our team, but he's, you know, he's Agent Smith. Sure, he's sporting a Death Star t-shirt there. <laughs> I am. I'm glad all the listeners at home can see it, too. Yeah, it's great. Uh, and, of course, Hovercraft Joe. What's up? Uh, what's up, guys? Uh, happy to be here. Uh, glad you continue to have me on as a guest every week. I appreciate it. <laughs> no problem. I just wish you'd come up with better plugs. You're always plugging the same thing. Silence. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> All right, I'll see if I can think of a better plug. Thank you. Uh, okay. So we are continuing our year of the sequel. Man, it's like almost September now. Actually, will this come out in September? I don't know. Yes. But all right, there we go. It's September. It's been nine months strong of the Wait, year of the on. sequel. Yeah, September. It, yeah. All right. <laughs> I think so. What a, it, it'll be close. Maybe. Anyway. It, it, it will. Uh, I, I will put an end to this debate. It will. Perfect. Um, and uh, we're doing uh, the second Matrix movie because we did the first Matrix movie back in the day. So we've got uh, 2003's Matrix Reloaded. Right. Uh, the specific release date being May 16th, 2003. Well, one thing I forgot before we talk, I forgot that this one and Revolutions both came out in the same year. Just like, yes, I think one came out and this one came out in July, I think, or May, the other one came out in like November or something like that. Maybe. Yeah. They were six yeah. months apart in the fall. So that's interesting. Fun fact too. We'll get into a little more. I've still never seen the third one. <laughs> wow. And, and my reviewing of the second one didn't necessarily make me really want to dive into <laughs> it, but you know, we got a lot to cover. Uh, so let's go through some of the number. Oh, you know what? Sorry. Let's talk about our experiences with the movies. And I will kind of let you know that I remember seeing this in the theaters. Uh, and I think I maybe seen it one other time before I watched it for the podcast. Uh, and that's about the extent of my kind of involvement with this movie. Sphinx, why don't you go? Yeah, I can go next because I remember when we did our Matrix episode, I was very much the fanboy. And you two were were not really, you know, this was not a movie that, you know, the first movie didn't do a lot for you. Uh, the first Matrix movie is one of my absolute favorites of all time, like easily top 10 action movies of all time. I love it. And so I, you know, it was quite a few years between the two movies. And I remember for a long time, there was a lot of talk of when is this Matrix sequel going to happen? When is it going to happen? And when it finally occurred, like I had such a high hype for this film. In fact, it may be one of the highest hyped films I ever had. Um, besides maybe like Casino Royale and maybe like one of the Marvel movies or something like that. Like I was never as excited for this film as I think 
um, very few others. And it, it came out right at the end of my junior year of high school. So it was right in that prime time. I saw it with my friends opening night. Like we were super excited for it. I owned it on DVD. have seen it tons of times on TV because it was always on TV. Um, yeah. So that's kind of my past with this film. So. Sphinx, Sphinx is like, in May, I got Matrix Reloaded. In July, I got Bad Boys <laughs> 2. This summer can't go wrong. Well, it was funny that, you know, when we did the Bad Boys 2 episode, like we didn't mention this movie, even though we all knew that this movie came out the same year, just weeks apart from each other from Bad Boys. And that obviously this was in huge competition with Bad Boys. So, yeah, I mean, it beat it out of the water, but (laughs) sure, Uh, we'll get there later. Uh, I saw this in the theater as well. Um, And then after that, I don't know that I saw it again until we did our Matrix episode. And on the Matrix episode, I talked about we talked about how Joe and I didn't have as fond memories of the next two movies, and we remember them not being very good. And Nick, you saying or Sphinx, you saying how much you enjoyed them. Um, well, I said how much I enjoyed the first, the first one. one right. Don't put words in my mouth. The, the first one. That's okay. No, that's okay. And then I said, <laughs> you know what? Maybe I'll go back and I'll revisit them. And I did. So after we did our Matrix episode, over the next couple weeks, I watched the next two Matrix films. And then obviously watched it again for this podcast. And I will say, I'm not going to tip my hat as far as my rating goes. This film has grown on me. Um, like like a like a parasite. That no, you can't get rid of. Or like a, no, or like a Parker, Joe coming in hot. Not like a parasite. Not like a parasite. Uh, but this this movie has grown on me, and I don't think it's as bad as I initially remembered it being. I got a feeling we are going to be all over the place with this movie, <laughs> which I'm kind of excited for because we were so on target with each other for Bad Boys too. I don't well, think that's listen, be the case that movie today. that movie left well, no room for error as far as <laughs> as far as what our rating was going to be. That movie Fair was. Point. I don't even want. To, why are we still talking about Bad Boys too? Can we be done? <laughs> let it let it go. We can let's, be done. Let's let's get into some more numbers then. So the the right. budget on the Matrix Reloaded is 150 million dollars. And I wonder how that's figured out because they they filmed them at the same time, right? Like they did. Well, yes and no. They filmed them back to back, not necessarily at the same time. Okay. So they filmed because they had to get this movie out before the other one. They prioritized the scenes for this film first. Any scenes that they could film in conjunction with the third movie that used the same sets, they would have done at the same time, but not necessarily all of them. So, for example, the Oracle. She died right after she finished her scenes for the second film. So she never got to do her scenes for the third film. And they recast her in between the second and third film. Uh, okay. Uh, so it's domestic gross. It's $281 million. It's worldwide gross is $739 million. So, Which makes sense. Again, like the, the first Matrix movie for a lot of people was a big deal. This took so long to get us a sequel. And again, like I I am referring to Bad Boys 2 again. Like that one had, like we talked about on that episode, how when sequels are so far apart from each other, it's usually not a good thing. But this isn't isn't that far apart. This isn't that. This is like four or five years. Six years. Was it it 98 or 99? It was 99. Oh, I thought it was 98. 
Either uh, way, it's like five years. Either way, it's like only five or six years. But in that time, they not only developed the concept for this movie and the second movie, but they also kind of developed an entire world and did the video game. Yeah. They did the Animatrix. Uh, I think they had a comic book tie-in as well. So they kind of developed an entire multimedia. Uh, yeah, I think you're right. I think that the, the following of this franchise was so big that it was just always in conversation. So maybe that's why, like, it, it was only five years, but it feels like it was so much longer. I don't well, know. But, it and was, I had that video game as well. It was a fun game. Did you ever play it, LPJ? I did not. Well, I want to say two things. One, it was 99 that The Matrix came out. It was 1999. Okay. I just looked it up. Also, I would say just from some of the stuff I saw, it seems like a lot of the stuff like, I feel like they started making it right away. It just sounded like it took them a long time to get a lot of the stuff done. Like, it says, like, some of the visual effects stuff they worked on for years to get done. So I, I'm sure they probably started working on it. It wasn't a case where they, like, some of these movie franchises, I think they kind of sit on them forever, and then they're like, oh, let's make one. This one, I'm pretty sure they probably started working on it right away. It yeah. took forever to get done. And keep in mind, in between... The movie starting be starting movie starting production and finishing production was nine eleven, and that had a huge impact on Hollywood in general and media in general about what could be released, what could be in films, and I imagine there was a fair amount of this movie that may have had to have been rewritten. Yeah, especially because in some countries, you know, this movie was banned. I don't know if you saw that. Like yeah. Egypt temporarily banned this movie because of its religious overtones. Eventually, it got released there, but. So there could have been some elements of that, too. Sure. Um, okay. Uh, if you're a regular listener to the show, this will sound familiar to you. But let's talk about the top grossing movies of 2003 quickly. <laughs> number one, Lord of the Rings, Return of the King. Number two, Finding Nemo. And number three, Pirates of the Caribbean, The Curse of the Black Pearl. A movie which we all decided that we need to do soon on the podcast. Yeah. Okay. This movie, The Matrix Reloaded, came in fourth in the domestic box office for the year. Other movies that we have covered in 2003 are number six, X2, number 11, Bad Boys 2, number 15, Too Fast, Too Furious, number 35, Freddy vs. Jason, number 63, The Rundown, and number 82, Cradle, number two, The Grave. (laughs) Did you guys also see that this one did take over as uh, the most successful rated R movie at the box office. Yes. Um, And then was just defeated a year later. Did you know what movie it was that beat it a year later? I did not see that. Passion of the Christ. Oh, So apparently the movie Reloaded Beat was Beverly Hills Cop, which was from 1984. So it was quite a streak, 19 years. Uh, but then it only took one year for this movie to get beat. So, yeah. and now it's Deadpool, I believe, right? I think we've talked about. Yeah, that. it's correct. It's Deadpool. Well, is, uh, I and forgive me, I thought Deadpool got beat by Joker. Oh, oh right. yeah, it did. Yep. Good call. Yep. So uh, things are just changing crazy, <laughs> crazy fast. Uh, okay, so uh, as the, the usually goes on the podcast, I will talk about the people that I know from the movie, and then other people will fill in other ones. Here's who I know: Keanu Reeves plays Neo. Uh, Lawrence Fishburne plays Morpheus. Uh, Carrie Ann Moss is Trinity. Hugo Weaving as H. Smith, all returning from the first film. Uh, you also have uh, Jada Pinkett Smith in this movie playing... Uh, I can't think of her Naomi. name. Naomi. Naomi, yes. Yep. Thank you. And the only other person that I really recognize was uh, Monica Bellucci as Persephone? Yep, Persephone. 
Okay. So yeah, that... she's in uh, Spectre, the Bond movie. She's the the older uh, Bond girl. Oh, that's right. That's correct. So uh, that's actually, there's another Bond reference in this movie too. It's uh, the counselor. Uh, what's his name? It's blanking on me. Are you thinking of it right now, um, LPJ? The count, the counselor. The counselor's name, Anthony Zarby, is his name. He is in License to Kill. Oh. He's Crest, the guy that owns like the the shipping. The right, boats, right, right. That's know? right. Yeah. The only um the only other person that looked familiar to me, but I couldn't place him, was the guy that was like uh, the captain or whatever that didn't like Morpheus. Um, uh, yeah, he's been in a bunch of things too. He, he is. He looks familiar to me. Yeah, he is. Um, hold on, I'll pull his name up real quick. Uh, Commander Locke. Yes. Okay. Yeah, he was in. Um, I'm trying to think of stuff that he was in that you would know. Um, Says he was the Secretary of Defense in the DC universe. Oh yeah, that's right. He is in. Um, he's in like Man of Steel. Uh, uh, in Batman vs Superman, yeah, he's in those. Yeah, he, is he the one? That, is he the one that like they ends up being like a? Yeah, he's no. John Jones. Okay, got it. Yep. Okay, that's where that's probably where my my that, that's what I would assume. Um, other people are Gina Torres, who is Lawrence. Well, was Lawrence Fishburne's wife at the time. She is a uh, Cass, so she's the woman that has the two kids. Oh, yeah, and then her sister in the movie, Z, is Nona Gay, which is Marvin Gaye's daughter. Yep, and the only role reversal I have, which isn't really a role reversal, the actress originally cast in that role was Aaliyah, who died shortly before the filming of this movie. You don't have one other role reversal? I was going to say, I have one other role reversal. I, I saw one other, too. It was a big <laughs> Did one. I miss one? Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, oh, hovercraft, y'all give it to you. Uh, they asked... Uh... Oh Sean yeah, Connery. Sean, Sean Connery, Connery to, to be, be the architect. To be the architect, yeah. Yep. And he uh, said he didn't understand the movie, and he's like, "I will say, Sean Connery as the architect would have been a horrible choice." I agree. Like, granted, that scene is bizarre, but having Sean Connery say those lines would have been ridiculous. Yeah, <laughs> would have been ridiculous. There's a lot of rough lines in this movie. Yeah. Uh, okay. So uh, you also just... missed. You, you did kind of technically miss one. One more. Uh, one of the other captains is Roy Jones Jr., the former boxer. Huh? Okay. <laughs> All right. Um, okay. <clears throat> net worth. Let's 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 get to the net worth. Uh, let's start with Jada Pinkett Smith. What do you guys think for her? Sphinx, we'll start with you. Uh, you know, like Gotham money and this. <laughs> And I don't really know what else she's done. I'll say 20 mil. I feel like she showed up in another one of the movies we did. And um, and she had a decent... I'll go, I'll go 30 million, but I think she actually is more than that. 50 million. Dollars. Yeah. I was, I was thinking she had a fair amount of money. Oh, the nutty professor money. That's what <laughs> it is. Uh, she does something up. else. I can't think of what it is now. Next up, uh, Hugo Weaving. I believe he has that sweet, sweet voice of Megatron in the Transformer movies money. He does. What do you think, LBJ, for Hugo Weaving? Uh, I'll say $15 million. So I don't think he got uh, paid a whole lot for Lord of the Rings. I was going to say, wasn't he El- Elrond? He was. Yeah. I think it's higher than that. I think, I think he's like $40 million. $25 million for Hugo Weaving. Mm-hmm. All right. Lawrence 
Fishburne. What do you guys think for Lawrence Fishburne? We'll start with you, uh, Sphinx. Uh, 75. I'm not going to go that high. I'm going to go 60. 30 million okay. for uh, Lawrence Fishburne. All right. Carrie Ann Moss. She has that sweet, sweet playing Shia LaBeouf's mom in that movie that I'm drawing a blank on where it's kind of like Rear Window, but it's better than you think. Oh, uh, shit. I don't know. <laughs> right? I can't think of the name of it. But anyways, she has that sweet Disturbia? money. Disturbia? Yes. Uh, thank you. Yeah, Disturbia. I, I like Disturbia. Anyways, that's a conversation for another day. LBJ, what do you think for Carrie Ann Moss? Uh, she has a Daredevil money uh, and the Jessica Jones and money. Jessica Jones. And Jones. Right. Uh, she got that Animes. Memento money. Um, I'm going to go, I'll go 15 million. All right. Sphinx? I'll go 20 million. Three million dollars. Wow, she got a hose on this film. <laughs> uh, <laughs> or she spent all her money, one of the two. Uh, and then finally, someone we've covered a bunch, uh, Keanu Reeves. What do you think, Sphinx, for Keanu Reeves? Mm, I'll say one fifth, uh, 175. I remember him having a lot more money than all of us expected, and we were happy about it. I'm going to go 250. $360 million. <laughs> there it is. See? Yep. <laughs> Still blew us out of the water. Yep. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, so that is... As he's the- riding the bus in LA helping people. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so uh, we talked about it. Uh, written, directed by the Wachowskis. Yep. Who, um, Wachowski brothers. I guess they're the Wachowski sisters now. Um, is how they're known. Um yep. And uh, and Joel Silver produced it. That's true. He did yeah. all three. Good old Joel Silver that we've brought up many, many times. And the music by Don Davis, at least the score, I guess I don't have anything about, but we are going to play a song if I'm... Yeah, I'm that, that's kind of one of the things about these films is they always have a big soundtrack to them. Um, and it's usually, you know, more aggressive music, metal, uh, industrial... Um, this particular song we're going to play is Calm Like a Bomb by uh, Rage Against the Machine. Yeah, so like the end of the first Matrix movie ended with a uh, Rage Against the Machine song. This film ends with the Rage Against the Machine song. I don't remember if the third one does or not. I think the third one might be a um, might be a Linkin Park song, but I can't remember off the top of my head. But uh, in either case, call him like a bomb. There you go. Uh, Sphinx, do you have the taglines for this? Uh, I do. I do. If you don't, 
I can in like three, two, <laughs> one. Yep, I got them right here, Hovercraft Joe. All right. Because there's only three of them, apparently. First one, free your mind. Okay. Not great. I That kind of maybe more fits the first movie, but anyway. Uh, this one I don't really feel like counts. It says, reload in IMAX. <laughs> Think big. <laughs> Big, Which I yeah. guess IMAX is relatively newer on the scene in 2003 for Hollywood new. movies. Yeah, it was super new then. Yeah, right. Uh, this one I kind of like. Reload before the revolution begins. Yeah. That's, that's pretty good. the last one. So. That's not bad. Yeah. Yeah. There they are. Um, all right. Caught me with my pants down, Hovercraft Joe. <laughs> well, I, I had them ready, but I just wanted <laughs> I, I, I thought maybe you did too. Um, I should have. I failed. <laughs> Anything else uh, you guys want to mention before we uh, talk through the plot of this movie? Um, Not really. I have like little things throughout that I'll, I'll kind of bring up, but yeah, nothing I want to really say at the moment. LBJ, you had a long kind of um there. No, I mean, we should kind of discuss the fact that, you know, this movie is very much um, a world building movie. Because you get sort of a small sampling in the first movie. It sort of introduces the main characters and gets you acclimated to the world. Um, but then this kind of explodes everything and shows you everything outside of the Matrix. Um, and then they kind of expand upon that in the third movie as well. Yeah, I think that's a good point. Because the first movie, I always find the first movie interesting because you get the vibe from it that they just, like, there wasn't a sequel set up. You know, there wasn't one in place. But then there are moments sprinkled in throughout the first movie where obviously they're referencing things that are of a bigger universe. And you're right. This is the movie that then allows that universe to really show up and develop. And and I would say it develops in a rather disappointing point of view um, for me. Um, it's not quite what I expected. I... You know, to share that experience, you know, I talked about how hyped I was in the theater, you know, when this finally came out. I definitely was like, what is going on throughout the first kind of hour of this movie? And it still kind of throws me off when I see, you know, the first half of this film. So let's, yeah, we can get into it. Um, okay, well, uh, this is slightly, you know, I'm going to get a little confused in this, so feel free to help me out. Um, so we start off with kind of like, uh, what ends up being something that we see later on in the movie or toward the end of the movie. It's like Trinity does this crazy motorcycle entrance. She beats up a bunch of dudes. She's like falling out of a window, uh, with an agent chasing her and she gets shot. And in then, that but- classic matrix style, you know, with the slow-mo seeing the bullets zigzag by all that, you know, so you're thrown right into the movie, like the way you remembered the first movie, you know, and right. that's one of the things I did want to mention is it's weird going back and watching this film and seeing how many things you recognize um, that are now iconic in, in other films. And it's hard to think about, like, when you're watching this movie, that's the first time a lot of those things are, are being seen. Absolutely. And all the movies you see now where it's kind of, you know, overdone, is they're all derivative of what this movie did. So I did have a bit more of an appreciation for things like when Trinity kind of like lands and she lands 
on the ground with like one leg sticking out and the other leg crouched underneath her, you know, that you see a million times in all these other movies that that was really the first time you saw it was in this movie. I mean, I, 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 I agree with you to a certain extent, but isn't a lot of this stuff just an extension of the first movie? I feel like the first movie is what people are copying. I don't think a lot of people are like, I got to go copy The Matrix Reloaded. I think The Matrix Reloaded Parts of it. is... No, but I would argue from when the first Matrix came out to this one, there wasn't much competition still. I still don't think movie makers were doing any of that stuff. Yeah, and granted, a lot of this, a lot of this stuff is borrowed or, I don't know, homages to things like John Woo um, or things in other, you know, anime films. Um, But as far as like, you know, wide released American audiences, this is really the first they're seeing it. I mean, yeah, I I won't belabor it. I I just feel like if people are like, oh, when they talk about like revolutionary movies for like that, people follow the imprint of you hear the matrix you don't hear a lot of people no, that's go, fair. oh man the matrix reloaded changed the way we make movies and no 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 that one. absolutely it's just it's an extension right. of what the first matrix did so well i there are a couple things in the matrix in this movie that didn't appear in the first movie that were then copied um yeah. but we'll get to that a little better bit over time not much great, much better over time not great here no which, yeah um, okay, so that turned out it was all like a dream that Neo was having. It was like it's like a reoccurring nightmare that he's having, but he's not sure what it means. Um, also, like my first kind of like question note, I have a lot of question marks in my notes with this. Like, so the humans do they build all build all those ships like those hovercrafts? Like they seem like pretty intense, complicated machines. Like I'm you know, just like you're right. Or they or they took them from the robots. No, they clearly they clearly them. they clearly built them. Um, but my my that's kind of one of my big gripes of this film is they have the means to make all this wonderful technology, but all their clothes are still ripped and torn. You know what I mean? And they're still dirty and gross all the time. Do you know what? Also, this doesn't really have anything to do with the moment, but I'm going to bring it up anyway because it's the first time I thought of it. Why do they have to leave to go into the Matrix? Every time they get in a ship and they leave Zion to go into the Matrix, but couldn't they just have those devices in Zion to get plugged into the Matrix? I don't know. Maybe well, they they, kinda... they do because you see that the air trap, the, the, the controllers, they're plugged in. So then why is it that the Nebuchadnezzar had to leave Zion? I don't know. That's true because they were like, "Oh, we got to wait and see if the oracle makes contact." So we had to we had to leave someone there in order to see if they made contact. So yeah. couldn't I, all I got, of that been done just within Zion? I, I agree with Sphinx. On I no, I agree does, with it, you too. I don't it, know. It, okay, it, it does seem like I don't know if it's a thing where like they were worried that maybe they could track them back, but the machines already knew where Zion was, so never mind. Because that's yeah. the next that's the next thing we learn is that there's like an immediate crisis that the machines are trying to get to Zion. They sent like 250,000 of the Sentinels and they're drilling to get past the defenses. So they're like basically drilling through the earth, through the planet to get to Zion. And they're trying to figure out, you know, what their defense is going to be, how they're going to stop it. Uh, And like we said, Morpheus wants to wait. He doesn't want to go back. They're calling back all the ships to like plan their defense, but he wants to wait to see if the Oracle uh, contacts him. So he gets like another ship to stay in his place. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, also, that's where like um, Agent Smith, even though he was 
killed, if I remember correctly. That's right. He, he's back in this one. I understand he's like a computer program, or whatever. He like gives he like sends he leaves Neo his earpiece is like oh I'm I'm no longer part of the system I guess, uh, and then Neo beats up a bunch of agents, uh, and that's where you see him do the the flying thing where it's like the Superman thing where he's like on the ground crouched and like the kind of the ground or like like a Dragon Ball Z like thing where he's like crouched and then he flies into the air sort of thing. Yeah. Um, and also we're introduced to the new thing where Agent Smith like his new like ever since like Neo killed him and he came back he's like changed and he can do this weird thing now where he basically like can go to anyone in the matrix and like stick his hand into him and like turn him into a copy of himself. Yeah. Um, so they go to Zion. Um, I like how they casually uh, show that like Zion is guarded by like big mech suits that kind of look like those <laughs> like alien, the, like the forklifters from aliens, you know, yep. like, like why didn't they use those more to fight the machines? They do in the third movie. They do in the third one. The third movie. Oh. It's basically all that. Oh, okay. Um, the third more, one is, from what I remember, the third one is completely different from the first two movies. Just yeah. completely different. Um, so uh, Morpheus talks with the Commander Locke guy that we're talking about. They argue they don't get along because, like, Locke doesn't believe in Morpheus and all his prophecies and stuff like that. Yeah, um, and then Naomi is like a romantic relationship between the two. And, and again, like Morpheus is always running under the belief that Neo is the one, like we saw in the first movie. So yeah. even though, you know, the, the machines are coming, Morpheus is still under the belief that it's it's Neo that's going to come and save the day. Yep. So all plans have to go towards him. And that's what we find out is not everybody, because in the first movie, we're made to believe like Neo's the one, like this is the person everyone's been waiting for. And then this movie, they kind of turn it on its head and say, well, no, not everybody believes this. Um, in fact, you know, a lot of the people believe it, but a lot of the people in the military that are defending the city don't believe it. Right, because they... Um... And this is also where we really start to get into the parable of, like, Neo being like Jesus Christ and non-believers. And then when they show up at Zion, right, there's all of these sick and poor and, you know, going to Neo for help in Zion. And there's yeah, all that. It's a very heavy handed. Well. There's a lot of it that's very heavy handed and very obvious, you know, religious uh, um symbolisms that go go with it for different religions not just christianity there's yep. there's a lot of hinduism in there a lot of buddhism it's kind of a mixture of everything so they have like a big town hall meeting i guess zion hall meeting which is again to lpj's point like they can build hovercrafts and mexus but their town hall is just like a cave <laughs> so they they have this like town hall meeting and then like they uh they introduce Morpheus to talk and man people love Morpheus like they go wild when Morpheus goes up to talk and he gives like that rousing speech and it's you know in the classic like uh, Lawrence Fishburne style and then the town hall meeting turns into a rave which is like a rave slash orgy fest <laughs> yeah and, you know, and that's one of the things that I was trying to picture like because you look at the musical instruments they're playing are just drums but the music we're hearing is like tech techno yeah more like electronic more electronic music so what are they hearing are they just hearing drums <laughs> i don't know this this scene still today just makes me feel uncomfortable and just seems so out of place with it, what you're used to up to this point in the franchise it's like what is going on why is there so much slow-mo why are we watching neo and trinity having sex 
why are all these other people half naked and all yeah, this? Why, it's just why why are there weird. so many why are there so many nipples in see-through shirts? Yeah, it's, it, go, it goes on for longer than it should. I'll tell you that much. Way like, I longer than I don't quite understand. Like I remember being confused by it when I first saw the movie, and I remember being still confused about it this time watching it. Yeah. So. And, and there's another it, thing I was thinking of too. They've been, so in the speech Lawrence Fisherman mentions, they've been defending the city for a hundred years, right? Yeah. Why aren't there more kids? You don't really see a lot of kids. Wouldn't they be procreating like crazy to try and like keep the species alive? Yeah. And if it's been a hundred years, I mean, that's at least, that's probably like two generations worth of people at this point. Maybe, maybe three, depending on. Maybe they were all in bed for the orgy. Right. <laughs> I don't know, but you know, you know, population expansion. Uh, it looked like the place is pretty packed as it is. It's true. Um, so the so the the rave orgy ends. Uh, <laughs> Neo has a conversation with the counselor guy, a long conversation. When the first of the many times that I wrote yawn in my notes, <laughs> I literally wrote yawn. Um, I don't even remember what they talk about. They talk about like machines and whether or not like. They built yeah. all these machines for Zion. We and, need like, machines and machines, machines need, need us. us. You are right. It's very drawn out. Yeah. It's a lot and, of philosophy and a lot of uh, abstract philosophy. So uh, Neo gets a, gets a message from the Oracle. They find out that the Oracle finally wants to make contact. Uh, also, like there's a, we talked about Agent Smith being able to make copies. And there's a thing that kind of runs through this movie. And I'm assuming plays out maybe more in the third movie but where he basically takes over a body of like a guy for the the human population and like answers the call and like ends up in a human body uh because of this process right like that, that yeah. that's what happens right the guy bane right that's yep. bane. yeah yeah the, the third movie brings all of that together as well and but yeah this is the first time smith is able to kind of enter the real world as you would say right yeah exit so, the yeah. matrix yeah. So he goes to see the uh, Oracle. He fights that guy, Serapith. They have a pretty cool fight, him and Neo. Is, is that Which guy- role reversal, did you also see who was in play to be him? I did, yeah, Jet Li. Jet Li, and then Jet Li said no, and then they were thinking about making it a woman. Anyone catch who the woman was going to be? Michelle Yeoh, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, from Tomorrow Never Dies. <laughs> um so they have a pretty cool fight uh they go he goes and talks to the oracle i have another yawn written because they talk about a lot of stuff when he's talking to the oracle about like what he needs to do and all well, stuff. I, I find that one to be a little bit more relevant because it sure. gives you a little bit more idea of what's going on right we find out the oracle is a program she's not really supposed to be doing what she's doing right like she's being hunted by the Smith or by the agents, essentially, right? They're trying to track her because she's trying to help out the humans type of deal. So there's a little bit more context to that conversation, I would say. Listen, but. it's it's fine. Just so you know, there's a lot, <laughs> there's, a, there's a lot more yawns written in my note. Um, so uh, the crux of all this is that Neo has to go to the machine mainframe. Uh, in order to do that, he needs to he needs the key maker. And she tells him where he can find the keymaker. I can't remember that dude's name. Merovin, whatever. Merovingian. Right. So she like leaves. 
And then you get probably I, the second coolest part of this movie when like there's that giant fight scene between him and all the Smiths, like in this playground, the, all the Agent Smiths. It's legitimately pretty cool. It's cool, it's, but dated. Yeah. It, some of it looks real. Some of the CGI you know, looks and that's And that's one of the bad. things that was why this movie took so long to come out is they had to invent that technology because they were using a combination of, so, you know, bullet time, obviously they invented for the first film. They wanted to use that same thing, but in, in in the scenes with, with fighting all the Smiths. So they were combining two technologies that were both relatively unproven and then trying to make them both work at the same time together. And, um, it just took a long time to do. And obviously, you know, a film from 2003 to do something like that, you know, it, it wasn't th- th- their eyes were bigger than their stomachs, I guess. No, I totally agree. It brings up a conversation we've had on this podcast about like the genius of James Cameron and how Cameron knows when his technology isn't there yet. Yeah. And so he alters when he wants to do stuff. Right. And in this movie, they, I, uh, you know, we've already talked about how there was the four year gap or five year gap between the two. I, I don't think they had that timeline to do that because I remember personally in the theater, like the Smith battle was talked about a lot, at least amongst my friends and the people I hung out with. Like it was such a big scene, but I never got. I was never that impressed with it because I feel like I could see the CGI when it first came out I and agree. I knew it looked weird. Like Neo, he looks he looks too fake when he's fighting the Smiths. Yeah, and no, it's, you're right. It, it, it just kind of, it didn't do it for me because at least in the first movie, even though he was breaking laws of gravity and reality, they still made it look good enough that you could believe it. But the Smith battle, I felt for the first time, like, this is definitely not real. It's just not for, it's not, it's not what I was expecting. Yeah, no, I, and I agree with that. Absolutely. And, and that's what I thought too, the first time I saw it. And I think the same yeah. thing now, like it yeah. just, it was, it was, they were trying to do too much and didn't have enough technology to back it up. No, I will say the beginning, like one thing I didn't realize until this time around the beginning of the battle, they did a pretty good job. Yes. It's when he takes the, the pole, that's when it becomes very obvious that they've switched from, human beings to going pure CGI on it. And that's where it kind of lost me. And then did you guys catch the bowling pins sound effect at the end? Oh, come on. That's Um, that's, you can't do that. (laughs) That, that that pissed me off. (laughs) So we move from this scene to a, a council meeting at Zion where they're talking about how they're going to plan the defenses. And I will read you my note as I wrote it. Boring council C-SPAN shit. Yawn. <laughs> Yawn again. Because it's like a meeting about how they're going to plan the defenses, but they got to send, they think they should send ships to back up Morpheus, so they had to get volunteers, and so Jada Pinkett Smith and, like, another ship, they volunteer to go find Morpheus or back him up or something like that. This, this trilogy does not reach Hovercraft Joe in any way. I, you know what's funny though? I, I wouldn't say you. This you now. no. You just don't. This is not your jam well, at it's all. Fu- it's funny too because you act like I gave the first movie like this low. I gave the first movie three and a half machine guns. I feel like I guilt tripped you to give wait, it three and wait, a half. Wait, I think if I wasn't on that episode, you probably would have given it two and a half or two. 
which is a, an above average rating. So it's not like I, I, the first one I think is good. This one. I was going to say, there's no way you're giving me three and a half today. Remains to be seen. <laughs> um, so they go and see the French guy who I, I, I can't pronounce that. I'm just, just going to French guy. I can't pronounce his name. Uh, and his French wife dude. is Persephone. Uh, they have another long talking well, scene. And another and, and kind of weird talk, right? Like, is oh, is, he, is he, when he does the scene where she's eating the cake and it makes, shows the Matrix make, into her privates, she, he like, make, orgasmed, right? Makes, makes her horny, yeah. Right? Is well, that what happened there? And here's another big question I have. I did not catch that until I know, I caught around. it. Here's another big question I have. Why do computer programs have wives? I don't know. Why, Why are there any relationships so much that he cheated on her? Yeah. Well, isn't, Why isn't does she whole, care? Isn't the uh, whole thing? I mean, it's supposed to be like a reality. I, I thought the whole thing about the matrix is that people didn't know they were in the matrix. They're programs. They're not. Yeah, he's a program. And oh, she's okay. a program. They're, they're just programs. Now, does she know that she's a program? Though? Yeah, they both know. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, that's weird. That was weird. Yeah. I, I, I Sphinx to your point. I do have a note that says, did he make that lady horny? Question yeah. mark. Um, okay. Yeah, that was weird. So he's like, yeah, I'm not going to give you the key maker. Sorry, not going to happen. Um, but uh, Persephone, she's like, hey, I'm pissed at the suit, so I will give you the key maker. But, like, I want to kiss Neo. Like, yeah, I want to kiss weird. I want you to kiss me like I'm Trinity so I can feel what that's like. I, I don't know. So she, she gives no, I agree. The- I, don't know, I don't know what to say about that. She gives him the keymaker. Uh, the the weird uh, like albino dreadlock twins show up. Uh, they go after him. They can turn into ghosts? Question mark. Yeah. Who, yeah. You know what? I will say this: those two guys would make excellent Tomax and Zaymot. <laughs> uh, there, I I do like the fight scene that he has with a bunch of dudes in that in that room where there's all it's the a, weapons on the wall. Yeah, yeah, it's a cool fight. The spiral staircase with all the because de- they pull out like every different type of weapon. You yeah. know, like all, all like of the they, action it's scenes, all, it's all sorts of different. Weapons. All of the action sequences in this movie are really good. Like yeah. with the exception of the CG, the actual action sequences are, they're really good action sequences. Oh yeah. Um, so then you get to, I, what, what I will say is like this, probably the centerpiece of this movie, which is this freeway chase, right? It's oh, yeah. long. It, it's a lot longer than I, I, I thought. Like I remember the freeway chase, but I guess yeah. I just didn't remember how long and involved it is and how like a big chunk of runtime it takes. It's probably 20 minutes. Yeah. It's probably 20 minutes. And I remember too, like this was a big selling piece for the movie as well. Like I remember, I think they even showed like a couple minute chunks of this scene leading up to the movie's release just to get people excited again about it. Because I know, too, like maybe you guys noticed, like all the vehicles are GM. So GM donated 300 of their cars for this scene. Mm-hmm. All 300 got destroyed. Those yeah. Cadillacs, they were brand like that was brand new with those type of models. Like I remember Cadillac had a huge promotion with the Matrix and, you know, having these brand new cars like the CTS and the Escalade. Like these were like the first time those vehicles were seen. Yep. Um, we're from this movie. I remember that was a huge deal. But did you guys see that they literally built this freeway? Yes. That it took three months to build yeah. this scene. Well, they built and the freeway. Took, and, oh, uh, yeah, they built the freeway. But it took three months to film it. Yeah, yeah. and and the freeway yeah. is still being used as a set, like yeah. today for different things. Yeah, because it's in California, where the rest of the movie, I believe, is actually filmed in Australia, New Zealand. 
New Zealand, thank you. Yeah. It's just, it's this scene and I think one other scene they do in California. I mean, there is some really cool stuff in this scene. I mean, there's cars flipping and the, the ghost twins are going like in and out of like, uh, basically like phasing like Kitty Pride style yeah. into vehicles yeah. and stuff. Um, you get like Morpheus, like with that showdown with the agent on top of like the moving truck. There is a lot of cool stuff. That slow motion of like when the, when they, the two trucks, the two trucks together. And it's like the wave, the shock wave going together when Neo swoops in to save them. So there's a lot of cool stuff. I mean, it's a solid, a lot of solid stuff. And it's definitely for me, the, the, the most enjoyable and, and centerpiece of this film. Yep. Oh, I totally agree. It's, just, it's my favorite part of the movie. Yep. And what's kind of interesting about this is that for the most part of this freeway scene, uh, Neo's not involved. Nope. Yeah, no, he ended up, uh, he tried to run through some door to go after the the French guy, and he ends up in the mountains. So he's got to Superman it back to, to the freeway, and then again, saves Morpheus and the Keymaster just in the nick of time. And Yep. Um, okay, so this is probably where I'm going to need some help from you guys. So after this whole sequence ends and they, 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 like, they rescue the Keymaster, they find out that basically the machines are still drilling to get this ion, and there's like nine hours until they're going to get there. So the Keymaker tells them how to get to the source, which is like the, the, where they need to get to to try and end this. This is where I need help. There's a big, long thing. All my note says is, have to blow up power, power station. Blah, blah, blah. Like, there was, like, three or four parts to this, and I, I guess I, they kind of went over me, and I didn't rewind it. Yeah. yeah. It's essentially that in that building is where you enter into where you can get to the architect. Where you can get to the source, as they call it. Yeah. But it's like they have But he show- says that there's there's a backup in case the power goes down. So if they turn the power off, they got to also turn off the backup. Okay. All yeah, right. That's, so, that's at least what I get from it. Yeah, and, 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 that, get, and that still will only give down. them. Yeah, it only gives them like three minutes. It still only gives them a three-minute window until they can get things back up and running. Um, so Neo has to be right there on the premises. They have to have someone there to take out the power and someone to take out the backup. Which I guess, you know, more back to that Christian imagery – Apparently, the Keymaster says they have 314 seconds, and it's on the 27th, and it has to take 27 blocks. Apparently, the 27th book of the New Testament and some chapter 3, verse 14, is about entering, you know, the source of the creation. So it's all tied into that type of biblical reference. So I didn't know that. So some people, they might like that. I don't know. Basically there's like, there's three parts of the plan they had to enact at the same time. Uh, Neo essentially, not essentially, he asked Trinity not to be involved because he knows he's seen these visions of her dying. And he's like, I don't, I don't go into the matrix. Say how she agrees. The problem they run into is that the third team that's supposed to blow up the backup power station, their ship gets found out by machines and blown up. Uh, So they all die before they can complete the mission. Yep. Correct. So Trinity has to go in to complete their part of the mission, and that's where they get the um, that scene that we saw at the beginning, where she like throws the motorcycle into. Okay, let me ask you something now, because this will tie into. So she drives a motorcycle off a building, jumps mm-hmm. off it, throws the motorcycle in that thing, and she's fine. I, I'm confused sometimes because it's like she jumps off a building in that, but then it, it, a little bit later in the movie, she's falling from the building, and it's a big deal. 
that she's falling from the building, but she jumped off that building. I would argue it's about the theme of control, right? So throughout the movie, they talk about control. And at least when she jumps off the building from the motorcycle, she's in control of that situation. Since she knows what she wants to do, she could use the parameters of the Matrix to give herself a safe landing. Whereas in the other scene, right, it's more like I just need to escape and I don't really have a plan in mind. And maybe even just the physics of how tall, how high she is in that building. There's nothing she can do about it deal. Or, or she's as powerful as the writers need her to be in any one particular scene. <laughs> it's the Superman too. scenario. Yeah. Yeah. That's fair. Um, so they, they get into the hallway where they're going to go find the source and agent Smith shows up there. I was confused how we got all those other agent Smiths to like be at those doors and open them all and show up in the hallway. Like, yeah, that's another yeah, thing. I, I didn't like that. I don't yeah. Because what, then what's the possible. point of the key master? Yeah. Right. Like that was the whole thing. Like he had to like open the door for them to get in there. But then like not only is Agent Smith in there, but then all the doors in the hallway open from seemingly, from my understanding, different parts of the Matrix and all the Smiths enter. So I get it. It kind of looked cool, but I like it didn't track to me. The only thing I can think of. And again, I think this does come into play in the third movie is he may be taking over so much of the Matrix that he might just be able to to do that you know like he's just he's so self-absorbed into the programming that he can Mm -hmm. do it maybe i I can't remember with the third movie i haven't we'll talk about that later but so uh they they escape from the smiths but in in the process of this the key maker gets killed um they send morpheus they're like hey this door will take you out and they send he goes into the source to talk to the architect which is another long conversation wow (laughs) and that is like it took me until this viewing to sort of understand what he's talking about. It's, it's just unnecessary, you know, like it it makes everyone feel dumb to watch the scene and it just, it doesn't need to be that way. Like I get it. Like he's supposed to represent like God, the creator, but you don't need to, you don't need to make it. So well, and not only that, like they completely contradict everything that happens in this movie in the third movie. Yeah. So this is, let me just, let me, this is my understanding of, uh, yeah. of what All I've right. kind of boiled down what the architect tells him. Okay. okay. He tells him that he's not, that there's actually been five other, or the ones, or he's the fifth, the one, that it's just like a part of the programming that is going to inevitably happen and it's going to create a one. And then he kind of, I think, gives him like a choice where he's like, well, you can either, is it like save the city but in order to do that, you have to reboot the Matrix and only like 16 of the people will live. And I, okay, maybe yeah. I didn't get it. No, I mean, you're kind of there. Like he, he's left with a choice that, I mean, LPJ, you can help too. Cause sometimes I don't fully get it either. It is obviously they, they, Neo was placed in the Matrix on purpose. No. <laughs> no, no, I thought he was. Sort of. Here's how it works. So, okay. You see? Here's sort how of. it works. All right, let's hear LPJ. So initially, the architect created a perfect matrix, right? It didn't have any kind of anomalies. It ran smoothly. The problem was it was unbelievable for the people plugged into the matrix. They they saw right through it because it was too perfect. So they had to create these imperfections in the matrix, and the sum of those imperfections, the remainder of the programs, end up creating the one. And the one is always Keanu Reeves. 
the other people in the story aren't necessarily the same. So it's not always Lawrence Fishburne. It's not always it's not always uh, Carrie Ann Moss. It's not always you know Niobe. It's it's different players every time in the five previous versions. In this particular version, Neo's created right. And what's different about this one is he's not just fighting for the human for humanity. He's Carrie Ann Moss is there now. He's fighting yeah. for Trinity. He's fallen in love, which didn't happen the first five times. And so he's given the choice, just like he did the previous times, he can save all of humanity by um, killing Zion, but um, humanity will survive in that he gets to repick 23 males, 23 females, and repopulate the Matrix and keep the world going. Or because the machines machines still need them. them. Listen, and maybe this is where I thought he was saying is like, you get to pick however many people it was to get unplugged from the matrix to basically like restart Zion after we destroy it. Like I thought that. Oh yes. I'm sorry. That's right. Yeah. To do that part. Yeah. Or they can just destroy the whole thing and then they'll sit and slumber, you know, until they kind of can rebuild things on their own. Um, and so I guess all the previous other times he's chosen to save Zion or chosen to kill all start the people again. in Zion and start again. This particular time, he's decided, no, he doesn't want to do that. He's fallen in love, so he's going to say, I'm going to save all the machines in Zion. I'm going to save all the people in Zion, and F you, I'm going to do things my way. And so that's the difference now. Right. Okay. So And then so he busts ass out of there to save Trinity, who's falling from the building at this point and has gotten shot. And so am I to believe that he flies, Is it the, the floor blows up because he, like, flies out of there so fast to, like, because, like, the building, like, blows up behind him, or the, at least the floor does. Yeah, he's, like, in traffic with him, too. Yeah. I think they yeah, mentioned I, that the that it's rigged with explosives, okay. don't they? Well, I, I, well, don't I remember. do like, I do like, like... Yeah, it sounds familiar. I do. Yeah, the key master says that. Yeah, he does. The key okay. master, the key maker. <laughs> the key going maker. Ghostbusters. Uh, but, it, it, but like Swing said, it is pretty cool. He's flying so fast that he's just collecting all the stuff behind him. There's just, like, cars and all this stuff, like, being dragged behind him. So... He catches Trinity. He's able to stop her from hitting the ground, but uh, she's been shot and she's in bad shape and she dies. But then he's able to bring her back to life by like, I don't know, rewriting her programming or I'm not entirely sure what he does, but he brings her back to life. Well, he takes, he shoves his damn paw in her body, (laughs) takes out the bullet and then like rubs her heart to get it started. I think it's one of those things where, you know how Smith is able to exit the matrix and become like a person so he can affect the real world now. I think it's the same way with Neo. He can, by affecting the Matrix, then affect the real person as well. He just has that particular power that nobody I else I think has. it's also a continuation of the religious elements of a miracle being performed yeah, as that, well. that's part of it as well. Okay, so we're into the home stretch here. Um, their ship, the, the Nebuchadnezzar, Right? Did I say that right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. It gets blown up by the machines, but they get off in time. Uh, him, Morpheus, Trinity. And we didn't talk about Link at all, played by uh, Harold Pernod, I think. Pernod. Pernod, he's on Lost. Yep. Um, but anyway, so they they get off the ship, uh, but then the machines come to kill them. And Neo's, in the real world, able to shut down the Sentinels with, like, yep. he, like, holds out his hand and he, like, Stops all the Sentinels, and I maybe that's explored more in the third movie, but um, yeah, it is okay. 
So they're picked up by a ship. I think it's the Hammer is what they call it, which is funny because yeah. they, say, they say it's actually called Mjolnir, but... <laughs> yeah, everyone just calls it the Hammer, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then this... Okay. This is where I was confused because Neo's like in a coma. I didn't understand what they were saying, and I should have rewound and listened again, about like ships getting blown up, and I didn't yeah. understand. So I... apparently... So in the first movie, do you remember how like the ships are powered with EMP, which can shut off all the machines? Yeah. So the EMP, because it has to recharge, someone turned it on early. And so that allowed the machines, they weren't there yet. And then that then allowed the machines to come in and destroy all the ships. And they don't really know like who did it. You find out in the third one and you kind of get the the image at the end, but you know, Bane is left alive. He's the only one that knows and you find out he's the one. Because they said, they said, they, they said, yeah, they're like, we only found one survivor. And then they reveal that he's like in a coma laying right next to Neo. But I guess I didn't understand which ships got destroyed. All of the ships? All of Zion? them. Inside yeah, I, Zion, they all got destroyed? No, they were around the perimeter, I believe. Because I feel right? like they, they were the first defense yeah. okay. against the machines coming in. Okay. Because, like, that's the last shot of the movies as they're like, oh, there was only one survivor. We picked him up. And they pan over from Neo and show you that it's Bane, like, in a coma as well. And then it says... He, and he's the one that's possessed by Smith. Smith, yeah. right. And then it says, to be concluded. Yeah, because we did forget there was a scene at Zion where Bane looks like he's going to murder Neo. Oh, that's right, Because yeah. under, he's under Smith's control, essentially. Or he is Smith. He is Smith. He, he yeah, also he tries Smith. to get. He also tries to get his captain to volunteer to be one of the people to volunteer to go find yeah. Morpheus or back him up right. or whatever too. Yeah. So, but yeah. So that's the that's the end to be concluded in the Matrix Revolutions. Still haven't seen it, but one of these days. Um, Honestly, yeah. I think I'm gonna watch it when we're done recording. Because <laughs> <laughs> I watched uh, Reloaded yesterday, and I still to this day have only seen revolutions in the theater. Oh, okay. Because like, you know, it, it's it worth a watch. It, did, it didn't do much for me. Um, but I kind of just want to rewatch it again. Cause it's been 18 years. Yeah. So. It's worth a watch. It's, I will say this. It's worth a watch. Okay. Um, does yeah, anyone have any, have anything else that we didn't talk about that they wanted to cover? Um, Nothing specific. I, I think a lot of the points I wanted to bring up were kind of brought up during the plot summary. Yeah. Did you see that the Zion rave scene involved over 1,000 extras? I did. And did not. you also see? Did you also see that their original plan was to release Revolutions like just a couple, like weeks six weeks after? after yeah. Yeah. That like was, it wasn't. Like, yeah. how would they think that'd be good for the box office? Right? That doesn't make any sense. You'd be competing against your own movie. Yeah, because that movie know. would still be out, you know. I'm sure that because this came out in May, like that would be. Yeah, I'm it'd be sure, kind of crazy. I'm sure that that's what they ended up realizing they were going to cannibalize themselves. So, yeah. Yep. All right. Well, let's write this thing. All right. Um. So we'll do we'll do a quick recap. So the first time around for Matrix, Joe went with three and a half. I went with four. Sphinx went with five machine guns for the first Matrix film. Um, I'll go first this time. Like I said, 
having now seen this movie three times, um, it's definitely grown on me. Um, I still have lots of issues with the plot. I have lots of issues with the CG. I have lots of issues with they don't follow their, they don't stick to their, they make rules and then don't stick to them. And that super irritates me in films. Like, I don't like the fact that, you know, they need the key master and then all of a sudden Smith can just show up where he needs to show up. Or like Carrie Ann Moss is always as powerful as they need her to be, but as weak as they need her to be as well. You know, I, I that stuff irritates me because it's like, look, you're going to create rules. You're going to create, you're going to create a world stick to the rules, stick to, stick to what you're creating, you know, make it make sense within your context. And they don't do a good job of that at all. In fact, they do a terrible job of it. And that part makes me mad. Um, there's a lot of things in here that are stupid. The rave is dumb. Um, there's, there's stuff that just doesn't make sense, but overall I would say I enjoy the film. I don't enjoy it as much as the first one. I think it's better than I initially thought. It, the first time I saw it, I thought, oh, this is pretty unwatchable. Um, but now, um, I, you know, looking at it in the overall scheme of watching all three movies and considering in them one movie, um, I don't dislike it as much as I did before. Uh, I'm not going to go as high as four machine guns like I did for The Matrix. Um, I will go I will go three machine guns. Um because I don't think it's action packed. There's a lot of good stuff in it as far as the set pieces go and the action goes. And I don't hate it. Um, and I think it's, I think it's a watchable movie, uh, but it's definitely not as good as the first one. Um, I'll go next. Uh, I don't, I mean, like I, I didn't hate this movie. I mean, I, I have some major issues with it and, and I don't necessarily think it's as watchable maybe as LPJ does. Um, I, I, I think the action sequences are good. I think, like you said, the CGI doesn't hold up very well, or maybe it was never there to begin with, but, but the, the action sequences are good. I feel like this movie, what, what I don't like on top of a lot of the things that LBJ mentioned, is like, it's a very dense mythology. Obviously there's a lot of ideas and a lot of stuff going on. And I don't think this movie explains them very well. I don't think. Like movies can have dense mythologies and very, but like you have to do a good job of conveying that to the audience and trying to explain what you're, what is going on. And a lot of this stuff was just gobbledygook to me, you know. Like I, I understand it's a high concept science fiction thing, and that's fine. Like I'm not saying those can't exist, but I'm saying do a better job of explaining to me as an audience member, like what you're trying to say and what how all this stuff works and what the rules are and what, you know, it's like, it's just on top of this and top of this and top of this. And they just keep piling stuff on. So by the time I get to the end of it and they're in the room with the architect, I'm like, I don't care. Like, I don't understand what's going on anymore. And this rewatch didn't really help me at all. And it's kind of the same way. I feel like when I felt when I watched it the first time was like, this didn't interest me enough to want to see how it turns out, to be honest with you. Um, so I kind of in the theme of bumping it down, I'll, I'll, I do think it's worth, cause like that freeway chase is good and there is some cool stuff, but overall I didn't love it, but I'll, I'll bump it down. I'll, I'll go with two and a half for this one. Yeah, I, I agree a lot with what you have to say, Elvercraft, Joe. I, I loved the first movie so much because of how well explained everything was like the first movie made me a believer it made me think about the philosophy behind what the matrix is and how it works and are our own realities living in a matrix and things like that 
And then you get thrown into this movie and you're just like, what is going on? Like, it just isn't explained particularly well. And it kind of takes away from how much you enjoyed the first one. I can't, I can't think of this movie as a standalone. I always have to compare it to the first one and it just doesn't do it at all. And it's paced horribly. Like it's, it's a long movie and it just has these weird chunks, you know, like you'll get action and then you get nothing. And as you said, Hovercraft Joe, you yawn, then you get another piece of action and then you yawn some more and another piece of action. It, it doesn't, flow as well as the first one did like the first one is just as long of a movie but i feel like that movie goes by so fast because of how well all of it is put together and this movie does not act that way at all and it's i don't know if it's trying to act too smart or what it's trying to do but you're right it it really turns people off including me and you well and and not to jump in on your rating here but I, i i think i think what it is is that like it's fine if, but like, I, I, what this movie doesn't do well to me is like, if you need to explain all this, find a way to explain it to me as an audience member that's not stopping the movie and just having people talk yes. for fifteen minutes straight. Yes, find a way to work in what you want to tell me while keeping the plot going and keep the movie going, and like, don't just stop the movie and have two people talk for fifteen minutes to tell me what you want to tell me. I think maybe that's the crux of my problem with it. No, I, I think that's a great point. I think that's exactly what it is. And and then also, like, they make you feel kind of dumb, right? By the way they do it. It's like, well, how come you don't understand what's going on? It's like, not many people do. In <laughs> fact, if you go online, I'm sure you'll, and I'm sure people that listen to this episode today, you know, if they wanted to, they'd tell us all sorts of their different ideas of theories about what's actually gone on in this movie. Yeah. Because it's that ambiguous. And it's, that's not, that's not the way I like it. It's not the way I wanted it to be. Uh, so I'm going to agree with Hovercraft Joe, and I, I would give it two and a half machine guns. So, wow. Yeah. This, as much as I love that first movie, this one has not... It, it's the, the action scenes are fantastic, and the rest of it I just don't care for. I do... It, it's kind of interesting now is that like I do kind of feel like that... Not like immediately, but soonish, maybe we should cover the third one, just to like wrap this up and kind of maybe see if it see if it colors our opinion or at least mine of this one based on the third one and how it all wraps up although there is a fourth one coming out this year right yeah. we should mention that is that literally next year i think right no it's december of this year oh is it really yeah, yeah. it's like because i think it's a in theaters hbo max release which is weird because there hasn't been i mean it could get bumped back now you never know but there hasn't been any kind of like it's been very quiet yeah yeah you haven't really heard anything about it so well, maybe we'll have to do revolutions before that one comes out. Maybe, maybe, maybe. But um, yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, I, I, this is like I said. I, I feel like honestly that like my opinion from seeing this the first time to now hasn't really changed. And I went into it with an open mind, where I was like, I'm gonna, you know, like after we talked about the first one, not that that was recent, but like I went into it with open mind, and I still kind of just was underwhelmed and just. I think that the first one, regardless of my personal feelings on it, is such an iconic, groundbreaking kind of action movie that this one just falls short. Like, I don't think it takes the ideas of the first movie and runs with them in, like, great directions. Yeah, it couldn't carry the hype, that's for sure. Nope. All right. Well, I think we've hit this thing pretty hard. Yeah. Is there any any other little bits you want to add? 
just that we can this is a continuation of examples of movie franchises where the sequels just do not compare to the first title yeah i think that's ultimately what we're going to come to the conclusion of is yeah, we've done know so many sequels are good sequels are few and far between it's, T, it's, t2 is like the exception to the rule yeah it's hard to think of all the ones we've covered especially in this year of the sequel that were like oh that was at least as good as the first one i think born lethal supremacy we- lethal weapon 2 lethal weapon 2 born supremacy um <laughs> yep. Yep. I don't not, know, man. Guardians too. We didn't cover it, but we Guardians too. Well, yeah. I mean, uh, hypothetically, we could think. I mean, we Guardians did the, too is well, not not for me, but we yeah. did uh, 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 the Dark Knight. Dark Knight. Yep. The Dark Knight. Well, but that was debatable because you two really. I mean, I do too. Like the first and second movies are very close to each other. Yeah. yeah I mean, I I'm a big fan of Batman Begins, but I wouldn't say that the Dark Knight is not as good or better than it, I guess. Right. Oh, it's Age of Ultron. That's the other one we're thinking of. I'm kidding. That was a double joke. <laughs> you, guys, you guys gave me a look like you were totally like, is he fucking, kid- is he fucking serious? <laughs> uh, here's a hot take. Age of Ultron is not as bad as it gets uh, talked about. I um, do agree with that, but yep. I still wouldn't put it in the top half of all the MCU movies. No, it's it's a middle. All right, that's a discussion for a different day, guys. Um, and Joe, as a guest on the show, who did you want to plug? Any plugs? Um, no, nothing. No, no, nothing. I got nothing. I'm Sphinx, sorry. as a returning guest, is there anything you want to plug? I was gonna say, if anyone feels like a guest, it's probably me nowadays. Uh, well, LPJ, you and I finally, officially uh, finished season two of Noobs and Dragons. We did. Nobody believes us, but yeah, we did. <laughs> yeah, the show did end. Um, so if you've been following us along on that and maybe fell behind on those episodes, uh, it Craig WK does an awesome finish for us. And I, yep. I am forever grateful to have had that experience. So check that out if you were into it or maybe you haven't checked it out yet and you should look up dungeons and Dra- or noobs and dragons absolutely they're now look- in their third season yep so just look up dungeons and dragons though just google it. <laughs> just look up dungeons and dragons in general it might be something you're into yep but that's all i got cool uh thank you patrons uh we will put on a new patreon show at some point this month i don't know when but we'll figure it out um and um yeah that's really about it. Check us out on GameZillaMedia.com and on Instagram and on Facebook and Discord. Go to GameZillaMedia.com. Go to the bottom of the page. Click on Discord and join us on Discord. We would love to chat with you. Um, speaking of chatting, I'm Probably. done chatting. This episode of The Last Action Podcast has been terminated. But we'll be back. <laughs>